to a bonus mini probably science i'm matt kershen i'm jesse case we're just recording like a little episode because andy's traveling we won't be able to record a full episode till the weekend and i'm about to drive up to alameda to perform at the alameda comedy club and i just figure i i mentioned it last week but i know not everyone listens to every episode so i wanted to give these shows an extra plug i love seeing listeners arrive at the show and come out and and telling their friends to come out and uh, you know I, I like our listeners, and I like playing comedy shows to people who I like and who get me, so we're just doing this extra little mini show as as a plug, but also we've got some stories lined up. We've got me and Jesse. Sure. We're gonna have We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. <clears throat> so now we're going to... Okay, so now we're going to do... Story, you want to do stories now so it doesn't seem like a commercial? Yeah, I, I think so. I think oh, that's, okay. that's exactly what we're doing. We're doing this is a commercial, and then the bribery is that we're actually doing some stories. Doing okay, it. and you Venmoed me. You Venmoed yeah. me my. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're on a deal based on how many people show up to the shows. So oh, okay. once again, um, very... Alameda Comedy Club, Bay Area, Oakland adjacent. <clears throat> get up there, everybody. Um, get up there and see Matt. Why don't you? Should we do? I I I've loaded up a couple of yeah kind of science adjacent, history adjacent stories because I know you're a, you're a history fan. Sure, I'm a, a, yeah, I'm into the I'm into the past. You're a you're a things that happened a while ago fan. Mm-hmm. So so this story was sent in by Ballas Lovenberg, who sent in stories in the past. This is the oldest drawing of a ghost found in the British Museum vault, which is I figure this is too unscientific to get away with on the main episode. Yeah, but it is still it's still archaeology. This That's is still also... history. This is still <clears throat> science. That's also weird wording. The oldest drawing of a ghost found in British Museum vault makes it sound like there a ghost has been found in the British Museum vault. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been doing drawings. Yeah, <laughs> several people have been drawing. <laughs> this um, ghost has had nothing to do for thousands of years except this ghost sketches. Haunts, yeah, this ghost haunts the museum. Uh, luckily, luckily, also in the crypt were some ancient uh, fruit bowls. And some ancient nudes, and the ghost's been having a whale of a time just drawing them. <laughs> the ghost has gotten quite good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, so, anyway, long story short, Banksy is a ghost. Banksy is a ghost. That's why this no is, one's seen him. This is a 3,500 year old image tablet of, quote, a miserable male ghost that has given up its secrets, according to this Guardian story. Yeah. It, so, you know, I guess back, back in the day, uh, before paper, and whatnot, people would do things on tablets. They not, would. Not like an iPad. Well, they had those too, but... Yeah, yeah, but... These were... More, uh, more clay tablets. So they're, they're basically, their their tablet, their, their iPads were lower tech, but longer lasting. Absolutely, absolutely. You could write up to five commandments on each. That's sort of the, <laughs> the bit rate. Yeah, that uh, was their memory. They, that they was the memory <laughs> of the tablets. How many <clears throat> bytes are there per commandment? I don't know. I would say, I mean, they're pretty binary, right? I would, it's just do this or don't do this. I would say each commandment, probably, I'm not sure. Probably, yeah, I th- probably no more than about 20, 30 bytes per commandment. Oh, speaking of things being a long time ago, did you, I don't know if this made the news, I don't know if you're a news junkie or whatever, but but the yesterday, all anyone could talk about on the local news here in Nashville was the this hunter's moon. The moon last night was called oh. the hunter's moon. I, to be honest, I've I've had 
moon fatigue for a while now. I think so, there's been too many moons. So I was just about to bring that up. When did all the moons start? This is definitely a new thing. This was not... There is no way in my childhood when I would have been interested in this stuff. Me too. I, had, Me I, was, too. I, I think, yeah, we both went through sort of big uh, astronomy phases. Well, yeah, well, but, you have to, it's one of the phases of little boys. It's like when you see a film and it's just a little boy's room, it's space stuff or dinosaur stuff. That's all. That's it. Yeah. Those are the two set design choices. Sometimes, sometimes sport. Every so often there's just like, if it's relevant to the story, then maybe the kid is like a big Cubs fan or something. Absolutely. But there's a lot of movies where there's like, um, it, well, it has to be relevant to the film. But in movies, whenever a kid is missing, there's always the thing where the parents uh, are sitting on the, uh, one of the parents is sitting on their bed just the way they left it, you know, in case the kid returns or something. And it's just space stuff. And what was I watching? Uh, that show Dark. I think that that kid. Oh yeah, I just I just started watching that. It's it's good so far. It's really good. So that kid has a space room, and then I watched Chestnut Man. I'm getting very into like Norwegian, very very moody Norwegian missing people shows. Yeah, uh, that's a dinosaur theme. Anyway, so yeah, there there are the two phases. But yeah, too many moons. There's been too many moons. There's blood. They need to cut it out. Blood there's, moon and super, super moon. moons, mega moons, ultra moons. I just yeah, it's, it's mayhem out there. So yeah. Anyway, I was that that had. I'm glad that you and I are on the same page about that because that just annoyed the shit out of me yesterday. Yeah, I don't know what a hunter moon they, is, and I don't kept, care to know. Yeah, they kept going on about the hunter's moon popping up, <laughs> and I'm like, this is new. You guys just made this up. Um, so these these outlines are faint and only discernible at an angle, but the world's oldest drawing of a ghost has been discovered in the darkened vaults of the British Museum. A lonely bearded spirit being led into the afterlife and eternal bliss by a lover has been identified on an ancient Babylonian clay tablet created around 3,500 years ago. It's part of an exorcist's guide to getting rid of unwanted ghosts by addressing the particular malaise that brought them back to the world of the living. In this case, a ghost in desperate need of a companion. Mm. He is shown walking with his arms outstretched, his wrist tied with a, by a rope held by the female, while an accompanying text details a ritual that would dispatch them happily to the underworld. I'm going to say this isn't loneliness that he was his issue. Yeah, I think that text is a safe word. <laughs> yeah. That's a safe word. And <laughs> this is... I, I think the particular malaise has has been successfully dealt with by the female companion tying ropes around him. Yeah. But it wasn't just that he wanted a friend. I don't think it was that he ne he was just a bit lonely. Yeah, th this is weird. So Dr. Irving Finkel, who's, yeah. the, who's the curator of the Middle Eastern Department at the British Museum. I'm going to say there is a lot of speculation and projection going on here. Because Dr. Finkel says... He describes... As an absolutely spectacular object from antiquity. They're fair play. I'll give him that. Yep. But then he said, it's obviously a male ghost and he's miserable. <laughs> he, he obviously misses his beautiful mother who no one else can compare with. <laughs> no. It's a and he's the best of all of the archaeologists and curators at the museum. But no one appreciates that. And his dick's not weird. It's not weird. <laughs> it's unique. Um so it's, so he says, uh, this Finkel guy says, it's obviously a male ghost. He's miserable. You can imagine a tall, thin, bearded ghost hanging about the house uh, did get on people's nerves. The final analysis was that, uh, was that what this ghost needed was a lover. What? 
Um, you and can't... then he really, he really spins a yarn here. He spins. Mo- I'm going to say he spins more of a yarn than we just did about his life for a second. Yeah. So this is the real article. He says, uh, "You can't help but imagine what happened before." Oh God, Uncle Henry's back. Maybe Uncle Henry lost three wives. Something that everybody knew was that the way to get rid of the old bugger was to marry him off. <laughs> it's it's not fanciful to read into this. It's kind of explicit message. Uh, there's very high quality writing there and immaculate draftsmanship. What somebody thinks that somebody thinks they can get rid of a ghost by giving them a bedfellow is quite comic. <laughs> so, so Finkel is an excellent, a world authority on cuneiform and realized the tablet had been incorrectly deciphered previously. The drawing had been missed as the ghost only comes to life when viewed from above and under a light. Ooh. Mm. Forgotten since its acquisition by the museum in the 19th century, the tablet has never been ex- ex- exhibited. Finkel said, you probably never give it a second thought because the area where the drawings are looks like it's got no writing. But when you examine it and hold it under a lamp, these figures leap out at you across time in the most startling way. It's a Guinness Book of Records object because how could anybody have a drawing of a ghost which was older? I don't think... I don't... Dr. Finkel might be an expert in cuneiform, but I don't think he's an expert in the Guinness Book of Records. Because that's not... Oldest ghost drawing is surely not a category. (laughs) Um, Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've done him a disservice and maybe... Maybe that is the oldest drawing of a ghost that has ever existed. Maybe. Uh, well, uh, yeah. And it says, and, and uh, this article from The Guardian contains a picture of Irving Finkel, who looks exactly how you're imagining. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Finkel does look like a lonely ghost. <laughs> yeah, he looks exactly like a guy who would look at sort of an etching and say, I know exactly what this is. Um, while half the tablet is missing and it's small enough to fit in a person's hand, the back bears an extensive text with the instructions for dealing with a ghost that seizes hold of a person and pursues him and cannot be loosed. Loose, lucid. Lo- yep. Loosed. Uh, the ritual involves making figurines of a man and a woman. You dress the man in everyday shift and equip him with travel position, uh, provisions. You wrap the woman in four red garments and clothe her in a purple cloth. You give her a golden brooch. You equip her fully with bed, chair, mat, and towel. You give her a comb and a flask. <laughs> Just, the, the woman gets a lot more stuff than the man. Yeah. And at sunrise, towards the sun, you make the ritual arrangements and set up two carnelian vessels of beer. You set in place a special vessel and set up a juniper censer with juniper. You draw the curtain like that of the diviner. You put the figurines together with their equipment and place them in position and say as follows. Uh, Shamash, that's the god of the sun and judge of the underworld by night. The text ends with a warning. Do not look behind you. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I, I'm also, is this by the a way, real I'm, article? I mean, what? <laughs> this is a real article in the real Guardian, quoting a real expert at the British Museum. I'm also gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back on my, I'm gonna go back on my retraction and say, there's no way you can't say that's the old, you can say that's the oldest picture of a ghost, because any drawing of a person could theoretically be a drawing of a ghost. Like, how do you know any cave painting? Like that could be a ghost cow that the caveman has drawn on the side of the cave. Very true. It's just the fact that this came with some instru- some some BDSM instructions. <laughs> it does on the back some rituals. Yeah, so, some witchy rituals. Yeah. Uh, so Finkel believes the tablet was part of a library of magic in the house of an exorcist or in a temple. The ghost has appeared just in time for Halloween. Its discovery features in Finkel's forthcoming book. <laughs> The first ghosts, most ancient of legacies. Okay, Finkel. Um, (laughs) 
He himself has never seen a ghost, even in the shadier vaults of the British Museum, which is riddled with ghosts, he says. In the King's Library, more than one person has seen a head and shoulders moving along, but at a peculiar height. That was dismissed by skeptics, but it turns out that the original floor under the present floor was actually low, which means that they were about right. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this is this this article does start with genuine archaeology and does descend into sheer bollocks. Yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> just, is just absolute shit. Um, <laughs> it's just, by the end, it's like, so it really was a ghost to say the scientists. Yeah. Yeah, because the height the height of the head was about the right height, given that the floor was lower beforehand. Proof, proof if ever you needed it that ghosts are real. Well, and professors in general, especially I'd imagine at the British vault, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a well known fact that ghosts, uh, when they appear, they're in what they died in. <laughs> right. You know, they're wearing their death clothes. You know, like a from you know a soldier is still dressed like a soldier. They don't upgrade. The wardrobe, I assume, in the ghost world. Yeah, yeah, that's not an option. You're just stuck. Whatever it is, you're stuck. Yeah, but all of these guys still dress like Victorians, sort of. I mean, you know, (laughs) I I would think if you saw just a particularly short professor walking along, you'd think it looks like a... I mean, he himself looks like a ghost, this Irvin Finkel. Yeah, but I think that's... Maybe that's... You know, he's so familiar with ghosts, he's just preparing himself for the fact that when he does die, he wants to look appropriate. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, this is, uh, this is very weird. I can't imagine making that tablet. Someone made it. Um, someone well, drew well, it. Well, they're, you know, they're just advising. It's just an, it's just a blog, basically. It's just an instruction manual. Just someone going like, hey, this is, this is how I've dealt with ghosts in the past. And you might find this useful too. Yeah. Yeah. Bind his hands and lead him into the dark, into the dark room. Yeah, but what's all this? be less lonely. You have to make figurines instead. See, that's... It's a lot of work. But, but you know, also people had a, had a lot fewer responsibilities. Once they've done their hunting and or gathering, they've got plenty of time to be getting on with crafts. That's somewhat true. I feel like if I was being haunted by a man who is lonely, I would Google, how do I get rid of this lonely ghost? But at a certain point, I would just not do the stuff. If it was like, I got to wait, I got to find four red garments and purple cloth. I'm just, I, I got to find yeah. a gold. Do we have to brooch. do this treasure hunt or can we just live with this lonely ghost? Yeah. Can we live just... with Uncle, Uncle Henry? Was that Henry? <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten the name already. Yeah. Well, it'd be like, you know, like living in a house that gets ants during the summer. It's like, you're not going to move. You yeah. just, because moving is worse than dealing. You're not going to find a thousand lady ants to figurines to, to to wrap up in cloths and give provisions to attempt the man ants yeah it, it's uh you know what else has traveled and what is real vikings i, I know all about israel <laughs> vikings vikings had a settlement in north america exactly 1000 years ago centuries before christopher columbus arrived in the americas Mm. Scientists say a, a new dating technique analyzed tree rings. Analyzing tree rings has provided evidence that Vikings occupied a site in Newfoundland in Canada. You want to know the weirdest part, though, is they also thought it was India. <laughs> That's what a lot of people aren't talking about. The Vikings thinking <laughs> confident that they landed in India. <laughs> so this was in 1021 AD is what they've dated it as. It's long been known that the Europeans reached the Americas before that Europeans reached the Americas before Columbus's arrival in 1492. But this is the first time researchers have suggested an exact date. 
This is published in Nature. The scientists wrote that they had analysed the tree rings of three pieces of wood cut for the north settlement at Lance or Meadows. They said using an atmospheric radiocarbon signal produced by a dated solar storm as reference, they were able to pin the exact felling year of the tree to 1021. So, Such a, yeah. Oh, no, I just mean this next paragraph is, is what gets me. Such a solar storm, which is a huge blast of radiation from the sun that hits Earth, was known to have taken place in the year 992 AD. Yep. So then, how'd they figure that out? I don't, I'd imagine from historical records, I guess. But right. then again, then how would... That's a very good question, because then solar storm... You, you wouldn't write down, oh, that was a solar storm. That affected right. our electronics. Exactly, yeah. My, my, my tablet has started to showing ghosts. I'm going to so, look this up while we carry on with the story. But. So this this enabled them to determine a more accurate date than previous estimates. The previous estimates for the uh, this settlement in Newfoundland were about 1000 AD. The association of these pieces with the Norse is based on detailed research previously conducted by Parks Canada, the study said, adding there was clear evidence the sampled wood had been modified by metal tools. It adds that the Lienzal Meadows camp was a base from which other locations, including regions further south, were explored. Um, um, okay, by the way, I have our answer. Okay. So there were extra aurora activities, mm-hmm. so which were chronicled. The, the sky lit up at night with a bunch more sort of aurora, like northern lights and southern lights kind of activity. Yep. And there was a big spike in carbon-14 content in tree rings. Okay. And also confirmed by an increase in beryllium-10, and hence considered to be of solar origin. It may have come from a massive solar storm as a series of auroral observations are known from late 992. Okay, that checks out. I buy, buy that. So these uh, these Vikings, they set up this camp, right? And, oh, they got tools. They got metal tools. They got all kinds of stuff. And uh, the authors say this discovery represents a definitive point for future research into the initial consequences of transatlantic activity, such as the transfer of knowledge and the potential exchange of genetic information and pathologies. Dr. Colleen Beatty, she's a Viking specialist, associated with the Institute for Northern Studies in Scotland, says the study does not necessarily suggest Vikings were not in the area in 1000 AD. It would suggest that the short-lived settlement was active in about 1021 when wood was being worked on at the site, probably related to either building or ship repair. Um, As an archaeologist, I might interpret this as one stage of the occupation activity, not necessarily the first or indeed the last. Just to be clear, by the way, Dr. Colleen Beatty I think that means that Dr. Beatty is a is a specialist in Vikings rather than a specialist who is a Viking. Yes, she is not. Uh, she's not an oncologist who wears like a horned helmet, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> you know, and rose to work. Uh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> she's a Viking specialist. Everyone knows that. <laughs> it's just, um, we just we just have to wait for her to cross the northern reaches, and she will be like. I know you're going to have to wait a bit longer for your operation, but she is the best. She is absolutely the best. And her tools are a little crude. We're, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be the first, I'm going to be first to admit it. But they are expertly worked by herself, by her herself. Yes. And um, uh, a benefit is if you sort of die on the exam table, uh, you go to Valhalla. So, <laughs> you know, that's we always like seeing Valhalla transfers here at the. So it sounds like Dr. Colleen Beatty is a proper scientist. Uh, not like old Irvin over there who's just making <laughs> making stuff up willy nilly. Yeah, there were no speculation. There were no speculative stories about any of these Vikings and their 
their various uncles and aunts. Right. And family relations and what they may or may not have been doing. Right. Well, they were obviously cutting down the tree because they just gotten a divorce. And, um, and here's how you get rid of Vikings in your home. Yeah. First, you must recite the following incantation. Yeah, Shamshala, don't look behind <laughs> you. Um, so radiocarbon dating is a technique that measures residual concentrations of carbon-14, which is a radioactive isotope of carbon, and it decays over time. So measuring how much is left tells you the age of the sample. So it's a steady decay then? Yeah, that's cool. I was looking at... um. Are there like halftime clocks? You know what I was, you know, because I'm a weirdo. I was looking into water clocks the other day uh-huh. um, and like how to build a water clock. I was like, that'd be cool. I'd love to build a water clock. But it turns out they're huge. I mean, obviously they're huge. Um, I'm not going to build one. That's absurd. But those, you know, those were like some of the first clocks because yeah. uh, water pours at a, at a steady rate. And I was just wondering if there are halftime, like half-life, like carbon clocks and well, things well, the, like isotope clocks and things. Well, yeah, the the most the most accurate clocks on Earth are radioactive isotope clocks. That's okay. exact. Well, there you go. Yeah, that that's exactly what they do. The most. Um, so I'm not going to be a multimillionaire for inventing this just now. You, you're not, but you you know mm. atomic clocks are. You can still you know be smug oh. about having independently thought of the idea. Oh, I guess that an atomic clock. That is, of course, what an atomic clock would mean. I, I yep. didn't even think about that. So, he, huh? Um, yeah. So it, they me- they measure. Here we go. Here's the description of Wikipedia. They they measure the electromagnetic signals that electrons emit when they change energy levels. Uh, right. Oh, actually, hang on. Do they? I'm I'm pretty sure they use decay. Maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong? Um. Maybe I'm wrong about how atomic clocks work. An atomic clock is a clock whose timekeeping mechanism is based on the interaction of electromagnetic radiation with the excited states of certain atoms. Specifically, either a hyperfine transition in the microwave region or an electron transition in the optical or ultraviolet region of the emission spectrum of an atom is used as a frequency standard for the timekeeping element. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. This. The, okay, so physics, atomic physics, uh, I, got, I have trouble with them. I yeah, just mean so I have trouble like conceiving it. There are, there are multiple different types of atomic clock that work on different ways. One of them uses a MESA, which is a microwave laser. Uh, that they use the... Here we go. Since since 1968, the uh, SI system, the, the International System of Units, that de- has defined the second as the duration of... That's, that's what uh, me and my friend group used to call ourselves in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's one second is now defined as 9 billion... 192,631,770 cycles of radiation corresponding to the transition between two energy levels of the ground state of cesium-133. Okay. And, and I don't know exactly what the transition between the two states, between the two energy levels exactly means and what, what they are doing. Hmm. But I do know it's very, very stable and very, oh. very regular. Right. But, now, I guess in 2004, a uh, chip-scale atomic clock has come out. Um, the clock was believed to be one one-hundredth the size of any other. Requires no more than 125 um, milliwatts, making it suitable for battery-driven applications. And then, in 2015, NASA announced that it planned to deploy a deep-space atomic clock. That's a mercury-ion atomic clock into outer space. You know, in case you want to know what time it is out there. 
where where time changes. Ah, it's very weird. So okay, yeah. I, well, I've got myself confused now. So any nuclear or uh, nuclear physics experts or atomic energy experts or uh, yes, right quantum in physics it, experts, write write in and explain exactly how atomic clocks work. Or maybe yeah, I'll I, just watch a YouTube video that explains it because I'm sure there are many of those. Right, or just explain how time works. Just write in what is time in the subject line. But the short it, version is, I think it is still based on some of the same principles in that decay is a very changes between nuclear states are very regular and predictable things hmm okay but all right but yeah now i now i don't know now i don't know now i'm confused i I don't i don't i don't know i don't know how any of this works for optical frequency standards to figure out yeah this is a nightmare yeah and now there there are there are nuclear clocks and atomic clocks as two different wikipedia articles so there you go that's some extra little confusion well, and it doesn't help that atomic is also a style of furniture. So, you know, because I, here it's like... It I, is? Yeah, the the atomic age sort of stuff. You know, like oh, the, okay, s- I see what you mean. Sputnik chandeliers and stuff like that. So when I Google atomic clocks, you know, it shows up with a bunch of stuff from Amazon for like $30. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. <laughs> Obviously, I have to get one. Uh, but it's just... And you're uh, like, I don't think this is cool to near absolute zero by lasers and... Right. <laughs> and yeah. liquid helium. I'm pretty sure it just means that it's uh looks like it's from the fifties. <laughs> you know. Looks like a spaceman would have it in his space it looks, cave. Yep, that's uh that's what a spaceman would have. Well there we so, go. We we started with two easy archaeology stories, then we got ourselves into a whole load of shit with uh nuclear physics. Absolutely. And um you know, if you want to take a break from all this heavy thinking, you can go catch some live stand up comedy. I hear there's some sort of in the Bay Area this weekend, man. There is in Alameda. Uh, Alameda in the East Bay, just just over the bridge from San Francisco, just up the road from Oakland. Worth Alameda, it for the view alone, but what sort of comedian's performing? Who's going well, to be there? Well, one of one of the sorts of comedians would be the kind of comedian that you might enjoy if you've listened to this show quite a lot from the beginning, say, and particularly like the English guy, because that'll be me. I'll be on there. And there uh, I haven't worked with the other two comics, but I've heard they're very funny. I've heard they're good. I'm looking forward to working with new people. It's always one of the fun things about being on the road when they're actually good people that you get paired up with. And I've also heard the, the gig is great. I was just talking to Jackie Cation a couple of days ago. A friend of the show, Jackie, has been there. She was there a few weeks earlier. And says what, it's was a great... that at uh, was that at brunch? I saw Augie's brunch photo. That was there, yeah. It so, made me miss brunch. Is it the same brunch spot you guys are going to? It's, or a, it... it's just up the road. It's just. Did that place close? I don't know. I don't know. But this is the one that um, that Jackie organizes. So that it's at the Magnolia Grill, just up the road. That's where we all. Oh were. yeah. And it's uh, but yeah, Jackie was there. She said the the new, the Alameda Comedy Club is great. They've put it together really well. I'm looking forward to playing it. So yeah, if you if you're anywhere near the Bay Area this weekend, Friday, Saturday, two shows a night. Or if anyone you know is near the Bay Area and you think they might enjoy the show, send them my way. Uh, I believe you have to be vaxxed or have a negative test. Which... And, if any of, and if any of you people in the Bay Area know how time works and want to tell Matt about it in person, yeah, get, to, get I, you down know there. Believe, I, I believe that there are some t- people with technical know-how who live around the Bay Area. So maybe someone there has a physics degree and wants to explain it to me. I will be grateful for that as well. So thanks, Jesse, for jumping on for this bonus episode. And thank you, listeners. And hopefully see some of you this weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.